You know, my heart is already really full today, and we could just go home, and I'd been glad to be here, but we're not going home because I got something to say. (laughs) We've been several weeks here in uh, dealing with family matters. We started with the root system of biblical manhood and womanhood, then the trunk of marriage, and then the branches. We're going to close this series today. Not that, not that we've uh, covered nearly everything that could be talked about, but there are other things that we want to uh, deal with as well. In fact, next week we'll start a new series just for July uh, called Inside Out, and we're going to look at five psalms and how we take all the emotions that we deal with, like fear and, and doubt and anxiety, those kinds of things, and how, does the psalm, psalm, how do the psalms inform us on how we work through those things in a healthy way? That's the month of July, so I hope you'll be with us in this course. We're going to close today with talking about the single life. Do you know that there are some 45% of United States Americans age 18 and over that are single? 45%. And yet, so many view the single life as something like a less than life. It, it's not a full life. And popular music uh, doesn't, doesn't help at all. Now, I, I think of songs that, that many of us heard when we were younger in our younger years, like One is the Loneliest Number, or I'm Mr. Lonely. Remember, Lonely Girl. Or how about you're nobody till somebody loves you? Well, that's really encouraging and hope-filled in the world, isn't it? And if we're not careful, we can buy into that kind of mentality. Even the church is guilty sometimes of, of a lot of unhealthy thinking and viewing toward the single life. We can be guilty of ignoring single people. We, we, presu- we presume too, that it's too hard to fit into a, a family relationship or being included in our family gatherings. You know, single people did come out of families, so they know something about families, right? It really wouldn't be too hard for them to be included. We can be guilty of pitying single people as well. We think of a single person being unhappy and unfulfilled and unsatisfied. I've known many, many people that are very satisfied and, and very fulfilled in their lives. Now, I don't want to say by all that that all single people are on the same page. There are all kinds of single people. Many single people are scarred and hurt by betrayal. They've been wounded in their lives. They, they have worked through their singleness. Life hasn't worked out exactly how they had thought, and there are disappointments with that. There are people that are very joyous in their single life. There are people who aren't married and wish they were married. That people that, that, that are happy they're not married. There are some people that anticipate they'll be married again. I mean, there's all kinds of people, all kinds of single people. When the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says this. Uh, in verse 8, I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Now if you're single, you may say, I don't agree. And uh, you may be a longing person. But I think we need to learn from Paul, all of us, married and single, about his view of the single life and what what we're to be challenged in in all this. He's saying that singleness can be seen as a gift. Why is that? Here are four reasons. First of all, because of the troubles of this world. 
Verses 25 and 26 of chapter 7 say, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. The present crisis, of course, he's talking about is increasing persecution from Rome against Christ followers. It's a devastating time for many people. There's a lot of pain in this increasing persecution with, with imprisonments and, and, and beatings, and they're being uh, treated wrongfully in, in the work guilds, the employment guilds. And so Paul is saying it's really, it's not necessarily a good time that you be, should be concerned about being married. That's true through all the courses of life, isn't it? There are some occasions, some seasons of life where it's not good. Maybe you're starting a new job, or maybe a person is starting a new, uh, a new career in schooling, or they're just recovering from a death, or there's another, another event that requires just a lot of reflection time and spiritual growth time within. There's a time of healing maybe you're going through. So in those periods of time, often deep Christian relationships are a much healthier route to go until a better season comes along. So Paul is just saying, consider where you are. If you're going through a recovery time and a regrouping time in your life, just be patient. Second, and another reason this is a gift is because of the troubles of marriage. No amens at this point. I want you to have a good day, good lifetime for that matter. Um, 728 says this, if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. That's a great way to close a family series, isn't it? Man, man. Uh, and I, I want to spare you. We have to face the facts. I mean, when, when two people come together, there are issues. There are things to work through. And all of us have issues. All of us come into a relationship with baggage. We just all do. We, we, we are scarred in different ways. We have been wounded by words in our lives. Even if you grew up in a strong Christian home, there's still things. We all have issues. We would all benefit from a good Christian counseling session, I think. You put two people together, and the issues we have then are sort of complicated many times. You know, I love the people in my life. I, I, I love my grandkids. I love my, I love my children. I love my children. But, you know, put us in a car for eight hours on vacation, I'm ready to be away from them for a while because my kids have issues, all of them, and they get tired of my issues as well. It's just a sensible, reasonable thing. Sometimes the grass just looks greener on the other side, and uh, it may be green in patches, but it's got some brown spots too, you know? And so, marriage has issues. Sometimes there are financial disagreements that cause hardships. The goals are different. There are different ways of seeing life and seeing situations we're in. There are, there are differences in child rearing or personal issues. There are, there are communication tensions that go on. Just, just talk to my wife in the hallway today. She can tell you all kinds of reasons why she needs space from me sometimes, you know. There are troubles in marriage. Paul also just suggests that, that singleness is good because of the brevity of life. Verses 29 to 31 read, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they do not, 
those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world, is its pre- present form, is passing away. Now, there are a couple words for time. He begins the, the section notice saying, um, when he talks about time, that the time is short. There are two Greek words for time. One has to do with a sequence of events. That's not the word here. The word here is for a, a particular time. And Paul is referring here, of course, to the second coming of Christ, that Jesus is coming back. And in light of that, in light of the Lord's coming, uh, relationships are just seen differently. They're not the same. Jesus taught, of course, that there's no marriage in heaven. People don't like to deal with that because they can't think of being without their spouse. We're not necessarily going to be without your spouse. It just won't be the same. I think, in my personal opinion, it doesn't make sense to me that there are certain relationships here on earth that are dear to us that are going to be just like common everyday people or people you hardly know. And that doesn't make sense to me. I think Diana in heaven will always be the most special of my earthly relationships. But, but that won't be the primary one. Jesus will be the primary one, right? We will be surrounded by the glory of God. He will be the source of light, and we will enjoy it. But it won't be the typical marriage. That's why here, in preparation for that day, in our marriages, we make sure our eyes are more on Jesus than one another, because it's in preparation for the day when that's how we're going to be. And so, if you worry about that day, don't worry about it. If God's taking care of you here, don't you think he's going to take care of you there? He's going to work it out. Don't get all don't wrought up. and I, Don't email me about any more questions about it because I don't know. I don't know what to say to you, okay? Uh, he says that the view of our possessions are going to change. You know, so view, he's, he challenges us to be careful about all your little collectibles and all that. Uh, it's okay to have collectibles, but hold very loosely to anything you have because everything about our possessions, what we have, what we bought that we think is so great, you know, it's, 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 it's not. You've got those precious antiques, you know, Talk about an antique, look at the whole earth. It's going away too. And God's going to create a new heaven and earth. Even your emotions, the emotions you have. There'll be one primary emotion in heaven. I think we'll have all kinds of emotions forever and ever, but the primary one will be joy in the Lord. Freed from the limitations of the body and there forever and ever. So he says singleness can be a good thing because you get to, you get to, you get to keep remembering the Lord is coming back the one I want to live for, he's the perfect satisfaction of my life. Because of the permanence of, of marriage as well is another reason, not just the troubles of marriage, but the permanence of marriage. 739 says, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Look very carefully before you leap. He's reminding us, you know, when you're married... This is a covenant relationship you're entering into. And be sure, one another, another, you're not unequally yoked, and you both are committed to Jesus Christ, so you don't get into a relationship, and it's far less than what you hoped for. You know, somebody compared uh, looking for a, a spouse like going grocery shopping. The same principles apply. Don't shop when everybody thinks you should shop. If, if, if your best friend shops on Monday, don't let him or her talk. You know, Monday is when you should shop. You need to be looking for somebody to get married to. Don't listen to everybody else. You, you listen to the direction of the Lord and the wisdom of the Lord. And when you shop, when you go grocery shopping, you don't go when you're starving, right? 
you end up with stuff in your basket you weren't planning on. And if you go in desperation looking for somebody for a spouse, you're going to have some stuff in your marriage cart you regretted getting. And number three, watch out for false advertising. There are words on the packaging and pictures, and when you, when you get into the product, it doesn't match what's on the outside. So be careful when you, when you are, when you go through times of loneliness and you're troubling, you're, you're struggling, and you wonder what God has for you, it's so easy to start a relationship that is not going to be a God-honoring one. So if you're single, you may have it better than you think. And the best advice is to be a godly single person. Be a godly single person. If, if you're single, uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, to be godly person and single is the best way to live your life. If you're married, to be a godly married couple is the best way to live your life, lay, laying it all out before him. But the best way to learn and get advice from all this is to pay attention to a couple of really godly single people. Watch this. Today I have with me two of my very dear friends, John Crawford and Peggy Heilman. Both of them are wonderful, faithful servants of the church who are devoting their lives to living for the glory of God and doing everything that they can to serve Him. And both of you are also single. So what I want to do today is just um, process together and, and let us hear your hearts of how you have um, worked through and, and wrestled with your journey of living as a single person for the glory of God. So John, describe to me um, your journey of wrestling with and coming to terms with your singleness and what that means to you. Yes, it's it's something that I haven't fully embraced yet. I don't view it as a lifelong journey. I view it as just an article of contentment along with several other facets. Um, contentment is something that Paul tells us in Philippians. It's, it's, it's learned. We, we learn contentment. It is something that we don't just acquire, we don't just get. So, as Paul says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7, I'm actually not sure whether or not I'm called to marriage, but I am called to be faithful. I am called to serve Christ, and that's actually what I want to do. That is my heart's desire, and he provides for me every step of the way. Well, I think it's normal for every woman, every girl growing up to think about being married. I grew up in a happy home. My father and mother were good, uh, loving each other, and with siblings, and it just I just assumed that in time I would soon be married. But I had prayed from the time I became a college person that the Lord would lead me to the right one, and I, so far he hasn't done that. <laughs> my, my friends, uh, single gals in college would say, well, they've just missed a lot of unclaimed blessings. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't think there's anything in the scripture that says there's a deadline when you should be thinking about marriage. But um, our society has pretty much programs certain ages where you aren't married by 30, something's wrong, or you're too picky, or whatever it might be. And um, I just decided the Lord, I had given to the Lord, and if he was had somebody for me, that would be fine. It depends on the setting and the environment. Um, I have a dear friend who's a coworker of mine. I absolutely love him and his wife. They invite me to everything together. I'm the awkward third wheel. They don't yeah. require a, another a couple or a marriage for double dating or anything like that, but they always include me. And they constantly enforce the idea that I'd be, I'm husband material. I'd make a great husband. They love the random advice I give them and things like that. 
and you know, I, I, I love them dearly, and you know, they want to see me get married because they have a they have a good marriage, and they want to share that with me. So they mean well when they actually say things like this, and um, they they view me as content already. The biggest opportunity and privilege I've had as being a single is having the undivided heart. You know, it's one of those things where I can I can focus my interests and I can concentrate and I can fill up my calendar without having to compromise time. Yeah. So it, it makes me more flexible in the kingdom. I found a freedom in being single. I'm like kind of like John. When you come home at the end of the day, it's your day. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have your time yeah. to do what you want to. But it also frees me up to do a lot of things that I know that uh, couples, women especially, couldn't do because of family obligations and husbands, biblically, principles there. So if I uh, see a need or I see something that I think I can respond to, I'm free to do it. I don't feel like I've ever been particularly tempted to want something that I didn't think was for me to have. Mm -hmm. I, I, when I made my commitment to the Lord, I'm your servant, I will do as you lead me. That part of it has never been, a sexual thing has never been a, a problem for me. Um, there's a loneliness sometimes uh, when other people go off together and you're kind of standing there. I, I think it's a little different for men, fellows. They're often included in activities. Single women are more often left out and uh, not sure why I don't think it's intentional I think it's just an oversight they assume you don't want to be with a couple groups or they you wouldn't enjoy what they're going to do or something but um, I, I don't know I feel fulfilled and I feel like I have all kinds of opportunities it, it is tempting to be selfish at times um, as Peggy said, when we experience pangs of loneliness, which we do, and some, some married couples experience that too, especially when there's misunderstanding, and misunderstanding occurs most frequently in marriage. However, there's, there's a big element of loneliness and singleness too. And loneliness is not to be confused with a cry for being with people, it's a cry for intimacy. It's the need to be intimate and have that fulfilled. And um, selfishness is the counter to that that is the sinful side. It's the sinful indulgence of doing what I want to do. In another case of mine, it, there's, there's an element of self-righteousness also. And um, I have struggled with that as well, which kind of stems into this idolatry of singleness where I become protective of this gift of mine. I want to keep it because I can become uh, superior in many cases. Um, I went through a period of conviction in 2010 to about 2013 where I was very much so dwelling in a workaholic environment um, by choice. Yeah, and, it was, right. and I was becoming, uh, I was growing through the ranks rapidly. I was getting recognition. It was the fear of man ultimately um, because I was getting all sorts of praise and recognition. I was taking it on myself. I'm not thinking just of singles per se, women and men. But I'm thinking of single mothers, I'm thinking of divorced yeah. women, I'm thinking of the widows, and just to be more sensitive and aware and uh, reach out yeah. and do something. Say, how about, could I take you to lunch, or what can we do today that would bless you? Yeah. I, I don't like that, call me if you need me. It needs to be a definite invitation to do something, I think. The, the only thing I would mention is um, don't alienate a single person because of their singleness. 
don't draw attention to it. Treat them as the whole and complete and full person God created them, created them to be to begin with. Jesus is enough. I mean, it's, it's self-exclamatory. He really is. At times it may not feel like it, but we're not called to feel. We're called to believe. <laughs> and faith never, ever takes a stance on, on feelings. Um, it can. It can it can coincide with it, but never the sole piece of it. And so when we believe that Jesus is enough, we're actually proclaiming it. We're saying that his, his word is enough. His grace is sufficient. Otherwise, we're not. And what does that make us? You know, it, it's one of those areas where we have to fight with that too because we're countercultural. we're called to go against the flow and it is an upstream swim for for singles especially in, in this culture we live in he gave us the church yeah. he knew that we needed <coughs> fellowship we needed family we needed to be together people need people or he wouldn't have created husband and wife he wouldn't have created families he wouldn't have said the church is the family of god so he is enough Yes, in the big picture, he's, he's the Savior, he's my salvation, he's my hope, all of these things. But saying that to a single gal who's in her 50s and has never been married and say, well, Jesus is enough, that, isn't, that doesn't cut it very well on that. And so I think the church, again, the church needs to know, but bottom line, he is enough, and I'm thankful that he is all that he is to us. But I think the church was designed so that the family of God would belong to one another. Well, wherever you are now, and wherever you're gonna be eventually, this is your in the meantime, make it count for something. Hmm. And then one of my favorite scriptures was from Psalm 147, seven, where it says, great is the Lord, and he has great understanding. And I can remember one day when I was just I just was done. I couldn't think of anything. Nobody understands how I feel. And then I read that scripture and I said, yes, someone does. The Lord understands. And there are all those wonderful promises that the Lord will give us to keep us going. So don't, uh, don't give up. Live for the Lord. I would say don't let singleness or marriage be an end all. Don't idolize it. Don't don't pursue that as a means to fulfill contentment because you will not find contentment in either marriage or singleness alone. It is a supplementary piece to our to our joy on this earth, and both have joys, and they they're both extremely hard. They're, they're neither one of them is an easy lifestyle, and contentment takes much discipline. It takes every fruit of the spirit, especially self-control if you're single. But nevertheless, God's with you. He provides always. Peggy, so far, I love that philosophy, so far, so far. John, thank you uh, so much. Um, you know, I, and I love, I love this thought that we are the family of God. The, the, the scripture Todd had earlier, he put the lonely in families. You know, when he made our physical bodies, when he created us, a lot of them are twos and a lot of them are pairs. We've got two eyes, we've got two ears, and we've got two lungs and two kidneys. We've got one nose, one mouth, one stomach, one navel. Uh, and frankly, I want all of it, don't you? I'm a better body because I have couples and I have pairs. And the church is better when there are pairs and singles together, woven together for the glory of God. That's how we want to live. Lucy Swindoll, a single woman, wrote a book years ago called Wide My World, Single My Bed. And um, 
She concluded her book like this. My dear single friends, if I could close this book with one ringing message in your ears, it would be once again to encourage you to get into the enthusiasm of living. Don't wait for a mate. Don't wait for more time. Don't wait until you have more money. Don't wait until you have both feet on the ground. Don't wait for anything else. The time to be involved with living is now, not tomorrow, not next year, now. You say, there's so many problems with being single. I'm lonely. I'm bored. I don't know how to enjoy my things by myself. Of course there are problems. There are problems in any lifestyle because that's part of the living process. I would venture to say many of your problems as a single person exist because you're holding back. You're waiting for something better to come along, that certain something to enrich your circumstances. Well, friends, it's here. It's called life and breath and God. That's what you need. You don't have to be married to be happy. You just have to be alive. Now, that's true for single and married people. We all need people. We all need people. We're to be a community of people together. And no one is to be overlooked. In fact, we're to have seeing eyes so that we notice people who are alone. We notice people in the hallways. We notice people. And God prompts by His Spirit people to come to our minds and hearts we need to care about. So if you're single, thank God for your singleness Thank, thank him for the opportunities he gives you in singleness, and do all you can to be godly, and that's tough in our world. Be self-disciplined, be accountable for service to others, and be, be accountable to purity in your life. The scripture says here in chapter 7, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they can't control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion." In our world, purity is not living a pure, sexually pure life is terribly difficult. But it was in Corinth also. It was, it was sin city. There were all kinds of opportunities where sex would be anonymous and available and easy. Um, uh, and th- this is true for, for any of us. It's, it's, sexual relationship is only for committed, married people, a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. Outside of that, sex is always destructive. Paul writes elsewhere, all sins are committed outside the body except for the sexual sins. Sexual sins a person commits are against his own, one's own body. And so that's why a survey show that unmarried, uh, people who are unmarried and living together have, are 80% more likely to divorce. And they're four times more likely to experience depression and abuse. A final word to those who are married. Don't think of singleness at second best. And watch, let's watch what we say. When are you going to settle down? As if a single person isn't ever settled down. When are you going to get married? Well, frankly, it's none of your business. Our business, right? And maybe that evokes all kinds of feelings and sensitivities inside We ought not go there or view them as less than. Uh, One one preacher was writing about being single, and uh, people would say things to him about when he was going to get married. And he said, you know, it had been a great help to them if they just read the Bible. (laughs) So that's why we spend time today in 1 Corinthians 7. And remember that your family is the whole church. Let's remember that. Everybody we see, everybody we see. They're the family of faith. And to every one of us, no matter the situation we're in today, let's live for the glory of God because ultimately that's the only relationship that truly matters. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, there is none like you, and we thank you for calling us to the life we get to live. And I pray, Father, we'll have no other gods before us, including a longing for singleness if we're married, 
and our marriage if we're single. I pray we'll have great joy and delight in where we are today and live fully for the glory of your son Jesus. In him we pray, amen. Today, if you have not been born again, you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ and resurrected to new life, and we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.